this was basically as, the, as Jesus is talking here, this is a principle that the people could understand. While we may not have uh, college degrees in agriculture, we too understand this principle. Okay, In order for seed to do any good, and if there's to be any hope of a harvest, the seed has to be sown in the ground. Okay? Say amen to that. All right. So while possessing the knowledge necessary to plant the seed, the sower also knows he has to actively plant the seed. All right? And so in his knowledge of seeds and harvest would have been, you can have all that, but it's of little benefit if you don't actually get out there and plant the seed. I can have great ideas of a huge garden all day long. You can have great ideas of a huge garden all day long. I can have ideas of a church filled with people and multiple services and people being baptized and coming to the Lord and, and, and disciples growing and growing. I can have all kinds of visions of that happening. Happening. But if we don't get out there and plant the seed, if we don't sow, it's not going to happen. Okay? We are possessing the knowledge necessary to plant the seed. The sower also knew he had to actively plant the seed. His knowledge of seeds and harvest would have been of little benefit if the seed had not actually been sown. You see, many understand the principle of sowing and reaping, and yet majority of people, a majority of folks, are not willing to sow the seed outside of our church. Okay? Did you catch that? We know what has to happen. We know what needs to be done. We know what we have been given but oftentimes, even though we know it, we're not willing to do anything with it. Either we're too busy, or we're too fearful, or, or we just don't want to do it. We'll wait for somebody else to do it. We possess the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who receive Christ by faith are saved by his grace, forgiven of sin, reconciled to God, placed within the body of Christ, guaranteed eternal life. We know the gospel message. Wouldn't you agree, when I say all of that, wouldn't you agree that every single person needs that? I got a little concerned there for a second. I would agree. There is nobody, even my worst enemy, there is nobody in my life that I don't want to see someday in heaven. Okay? I want to see everyone that God places in my life, every person who comes in, in, in my path, I want to see them come to Jesus Christ. I want, to I want them to hear the gospel message, to receive it, to accept it, and live out as disciples of Jesus Christ. If they have any chance of salvation, 
The gospel seed must be sown. Amen? It's not enough to know the doctrines of grace. It's not enough to know what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's not enough to just know the things that God has given us. We must be willing to receive it and give it. Does that make sense to us today? It's not enough for us simply to know the way to salvation. We must be willing to do the work and sow the seed if there is to be a harvest. And so this morning, the first thing that we need to understand is that for some of us, for all of us, there is a role to play as sower. All right? And the sower must understand the only way the seed is ever going to grow is for the seed to first be planted. I wish I could, like, have a garden up here. I should have thought about this. I could have planted, I could have, you know, I could have, like, planted a seed down then or done something like that. You know, it would have been so cool. You guys would have walked away and you would be like, oh, pastor had, like, dirt up there today and everything. All right, so just imagine that in your mind, Okay. Next year when I preach this sermon again, I'll do that. Remind me, okay? All right. I'm so ADD, aren't I? I'm like thinking about dirt and grill seed right now, you know? All right. Let's go on. So let's talk about number two today. Number two, all right? The second thing that I want to talk, first I want to talk about the sower, but the second thing I want to talk to you about today out of this passage of Scripture is I want to talk to you about the soils that are mentioned in this parable, Okay? So as Jesus continues to teach, he specifically mentions four different types of soil and their impact on the harvest, all right? The first soil that he mentions is found in verse 4, and that is the impermeable soil, okay? And so in verse 4 it says, As he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. In other words, they cast out soil or the seed, and the seed hit the path. I mean, it'd be like throwing seed across the cement here, you know? I mean, do you really think it's going to grow, okay? You throw it across. Even, even if the sun was, uh, was up there, even if there was an opening, if we threw soy, soy, seed, seed out, this is a tongue twister today. Seed and soil and sower, you got three S words and you're like trying to figure them out. Okay, if we threw seed out, and even if it was an open space, birds, they come and eat it up, okay? And so in verse 15, he says, some are like the words sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown to them. One of the things you need to understand that's very interesting about this passage of Scripture is he gives the parable, and then immediately after he gives the parable, he sits down with the disciples, and he gives the meaning of the parable. And so as we read it today, we can actually read the parable and the meaning right away. All right? So the first soil Jesus mentioned was that by the wayside. That's what it's called. This speaks of the areas along the fields of harvest where people walk, all right? So the soil is those area, in those areas would have become hard. It would have become packed down, making it impossible for the seed to get in there and permeate the soil. And as it lay on top of the ground, the fowl of the air, the birds, they would fly down, they would eat it, and it never has a chance 
uh, of producing a harvest because it's eaten before it ever gets that chance. And so what Jesus reveals here in this passage of Scripture is he says, Satan likes to come and steal the seed before it has a chance to take root in the hearts of people. You see, many hearts today, as I was thinking about this, many hearts today are like the soil found on the wayside. It's not been prepared to receive the seed, and it's quickly stolen away by Satan. And it frustrates me at times. It gets me so upset when I think of how many people in my life that the enemy has snatched out of our grip. Because, and I'm going to speak to me and me only, because I didn't spend time with them helping them to be prepared to receive the seed. You see, many hearts today, they're like that soil found along the wayside. It's not been prepared, and Satan snatches it away. And the result is we see people every single day dying and going to hell because we have not done anything to help prepare them. Maybe they're engaged in sin and we don't help them to see the right way. Maybe their hearts are hard and cold toward the things of God. Maybe they've been hurt before. Maybe they've had a bad experience in the church. Maybe somebody who professed to be a follower of Jesus Christ did them wrong and, 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 and hardened them to this. And we've done nothing to try to reignite the soil of their heart. Whatever the case, the seed is removed before it ever has a chance to produce. Now there's a second soil that he talks about, and this is called the stony soil. And this soil is in verse 6 and verse 16 and 17. He explains it, verse 5 and 6 and then 16 and 17. It says, other soil fell on rocky ground where it did, didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. And when the sun come out, came out, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 16 and 17 explains this and says, And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. I don't know about you, but if you've, if you've ever tried to plant a garden you've likely encountered stones and rocks within the soil at some point. This is a pretty stony area, isn't it? Anybody here plant garden? I remember when they were planting the garden out here by the church, there was a lot of rocks that they had to pull out, and there was a lot of mud, whatever that, what is it, clay? What is it? Help me, people who plant gardens. Yeah. Anyway, it's junk, all right? In Jerusalem... In the Jerusalem, <laughs> in Jerusalem, large areas of limestone lay just beneath the surface. 
And so in Jerusalem during the period of time when they would have, when Jesus would have been talking and when they would have been sharing this parable, oftentimes the soil on the top would look very good. But the problem was is that it was very thin, okay? And so there was a very, very thin layer of soil. So it appeared that there was good soil, but right beneath the surface <coughs> there were rocks and limestone. And so these seeds, what they would do is they would germinate in the thin soil, but they had no opportunity to establish roots. There was no way for them to get a firm foundation to root down in. And so once the sun would come out and it would beat down on them, what would happen is the sun would dry up the plant and it would wither because it had no depth. All right? You see, some gladly receive the word of God, but there's no depth in their life. One of the things that we've talked about here and we talk about continuously about here at Life for Church is discipleship. And we have a strategy, we have a plan for discipleship because one of the things that I think has happened so often in the church over the years is that we have created situations in people's lives where they don't have the depth. And what I mean by that is that we bring people down to an altar, we pray the sinner's prayer with them, we tell them how much Jesus loves them, we tell them how much Jesus wants to forgive them of their sins, and he absolutely does do that. They ask for forgiveness, and then they get up from the altar, we give them a big old hug, and we say, high five, be on your way. And we do nothing to help them get rooted to get a rich foundation. We've stopped with that here at Lifebrook Church. When you come down to the altar and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, when you ask him in as your Lord and Savior, the very next thing that we're going to ask you is how can we start with a discipleship with you? In other words, how can we now help you to grow in what you have just made a commitment to? And so we have a setup here at Life for Church. We have people who disciple and who have been discipled. And if you are a new follower of Jesus Christ and you want to grow in your faith, we're going to help you do that. Now, I would just extend an invitation to all of you here today if you have not gone through discipleship. And can I just tell you something yet again for the millionth time? Most people in the North American church when you ask them if they have ever been intentionally discipled, 90 plus percent of people who are asked that question say no. That means there are people sitting in the church who have been in the church for 20, 25, 30 years who have never been intentionally discipled. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. I'm not saying you don't read your Bible. I'm not saying you don't, you're not faithful to the church. I'm not saying that you're not a good follower of Jesus Christ. But nobody has ever sat down with you and gone through Scripture, held you accountable, showed you love, taught you how to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus did with the 12 disciples. And that is what Jesus in Matthew 28 commands all of us to do. All right? 
Now, that's a whole other sermon. But what I will say to you today is that if you're here and you've never been through discipleship, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, I would love to see you get into a discipleship relationship because what I would say to you is if you have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, there's a lot of wisdom, there's a lot of growth, there's a lot of strength in who you are that you need to be pouring into someone else. And so you need to be confident and comfortable to be able to do that. And so the only way to do that is to actually be a part of that. And so I'd like to extend that invitation to you. If you are not in a discipleship and you would like to be in a discipleship, come and see me after service today and I will get you set up to be in discipleship. Right now, I disciple 12 men every single week for one hour, one and a half hour, almost every single week. They, sometimes I'm busy and I get, they get the phone call that says, Pastor Steve can't can't make it today and then they're like yeah I know you don't love me anymore <laughs> and then I realized they need more discipleship no I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, but anyway all right got so anyway that second soil is the stony soil it's that soil where where you start to grow but because it's shallow because it's thin there's no way to get root all right and so then it fades off all right, it gets, it gets burned out, all right? The third soil is the thorny soil. I gotta pick this up a little bit, okay? Uh, in, in verse seven and verse 18 and 19, the third soil is the thorny soil. It says, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Others are like seed sown among thorns. Verse 18, these are the ones who hear the word but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I'm going to just go back to what I was just talking about for a second yet again. One of the reasons why I believe so many people genuinely make a commitment to Jesus Christ, and then the worries of the world things of the world, stuff of the world creep in and pull them away. I am genuinely convinced that one of the reasons why that continuously happens is because we have convinced people that all they have to do is get a ticket and then everything is okay. And one of the reasons why I believe so many people love Jesus and then fall away is because we have not done the hard work of loving them and helping them grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. And that comes with discipleship. What's the D word I always say, guys? Discipleship. Discipleship. All right? You see, Jesus described those in this passage as those who are choked out by the cares of the world and the lures of riches and, and, and flesh. Let me just say something to you real quick, guys. Listen. When somebody becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, when somebody makes a commitment to make Jesus Lord and Savior, the king of their life, Satan is not happy because Satan yet again loses. 
Now, Satan does not fight fair, just so you know that. Everybody on, on Facebook right now, I want you to know this, okay? Satan does not fight fair, all right? And if you're not in church today for any reason other than because you're sick or you're working or something, Satan is winning. I, I, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Can you erase that? No. He doesn't fight fair. He's going to try to come up with every opportunity, excuse, everything that he can come up with to put in between you and the commitment that you've made to Jesus Christ. He wants you to fail, all right? And you see, the thorns that Jesus is talking about in this soil is the moment that you give your life to Jesus Christ, all right, the enemy's going to pull up all kinds of junk. He's going to pull every kind of thing out. He's going he's to tell you, you know, you're gonna, when, you, when you become a follower of Jesus, I'm, gonna get, I'm just going to get simple. When you get, become a follower of Jesus, you're going to feel like maybe you need to start giving something to the church. And then the enemy's going to say, well, you don't make enough money to do that. All right? Maybe you're going to feel like maybe you need to start serving in some way at the church. The enemy's going to say, you know what? You, you got too many things on your plate already, okay? Don't forget family time. You got to have family time, okay? Jesus is going to start talking to you about some different things. That you, listen, the enemy is going to pull out everything he can pull out to convince you that the commitment that you just made to Jesus Christ was a mistake and you're not able to live up to the commitment that you just made. That's what so often happens when the thorns. Let me tell you something. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is not easy in any way, shape, or form. It's hard. It requires sacrifice. It requires commitment. It requires oftentimes doing things, going places that you're not comfortable with. But if you stay focused, he will help you with every aspect of your life. You see, what happens here, and this is the reason why I believe that the thorn... You know what? You, you listen, when you, when you plant flowers or you plant uh, a garden at home, uh, weeds start showing up, don't they? Don't they? All right. How do you get rid of the weeds? You have to get out. I mean, do, do, does anybody have any kind... Is anybody here able to, like, when you plant uh, a garden or flowers, you're able to just walk out and say, no more, I don't want any more weeds here. No more. And the weeds are like, oh my goodness, they mean it. I'm not coming back here. Is anybody able to do that? No. Because if you are, I want you to come over to my house and I want you to talk to my grass. You are no, no more growing. Stay short. So he doesn't have to mow it ever again. Doesn't work that way. You got to go out there. You got to pull those thorns out. You got to pull the weeds out. You got you to do that. Listen. Part of the reason why I believe so many people get sucked away is because we as the body of Christ have not helped them get the thorns and the weeds and the junk away from the growth that God wants to do in their life. It takes me to the fourth and final soil. I'm not going to spend all day on that. that was, I, could, I, I, could, I could preach ten more sermons on that, but I'm not going to. 
I'm going to do the rest of this in about seven minutes. <laughs> sure. All right, let's talk about the fourth soil. Still other soil fell on good ground, and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And those like seed, go, seed sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce 30, 60, and 100 times what is sown, okay? So this soil pictures the heart that has been properly prepared by the Spirit to receive the seed of the word. It isn't hard and trampled by sin. It isn't shallow and lacking in depth. It's, it isn't competing with the cares of life. This heart receives the word, becoming deeply rooted in the Lord and produces much fruit. This type of heart produces genuine salvation that impacts others for the Lord. This soil results in the fruit for the kingdom. All right? You see, in order for, for the seed to properly germinate and produce a harvest, it must be sown in properly prepared soil. The hearts of everyone is described. The heart of everyone is described in this parable. Uh, our hearts are properly prepared by the Holy Spirit through us reaching and growing and living in Him to understand what the Lord has for us. Now that leads me to the last point today, and that is the seed in the parable. And I am going to try to do this really fast. In verse 14 it says, the sower sows the word. The most important part of the parable that we're talking about today is the seed, all right? The power of the seed. Jesus revealed the sower sowed the word. The word of God is the seed pictured in this parable. Paul declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Hebrews chapter 12, verse chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Folks, I want you to know something. There is power in the Word of God. It is living and able to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And we must proclaim the Word of God. God's Word has the ability to convict of sin and reveal Christ as the Savior. We don't possess the power, but we can sow the seed and allow the Spirit to work through the Word. It's not our power. It's the power of Jesus Christ living in us. We live in an impatient world. We have grown accustomed to immediate results. We want instant gratification. Anyone who knows anything about planting and harvesting knows that it takes time for the seed to germinate, and it takes time for the soil to be prepared and producing a plant, and it takes time for the fruit to grow. But we've got to take the time to make it happen. We don't have the ability to save. The power lies in the word. In fact, if we do see a harvest, it's because of the result of the work of the Holy Spirit working in us, not us. 
We cannot expect to receive an immediate harvest every time we sow the seed. But folks, here's what I'm telling you. We need to be faithful to sow the seed. We can't just sow it intermittently. We can't just sow it when it's convenient. We can't just sow it when we see profit or see good results of it. We have to sow it continuously. The power is not in us. God's timing is perfect. Gosh, I was like preaching there for a second, man. Yeah. Yeah. We need to understand the power. As a matter of fact, I believe that when we start leaning upon our own power, that's when we, we cause the growth to stop. It's not on our power. It's in the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in our Lord and Savior working in us and through us. Amen? Not only do we need to talk about the power of the seed, but let's talk about the potential of the seed for just a second. In verse 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. A tiny seed has the potential to produce a great harvest. Every seed planted won't necessarily produce a harvest, but the potential is always there. Jesus declares that some of the seed produces 30-fold, some 60-fold, some even 100-fold. Doing the math, one seed, one little seed, has the potential to produce between three thousand percent all the way up to ten thousand percent yielded this reveals that one tiny seed has the potential to multiply itself ten thousand times that's how powerful the seed is that's the potential of the seed. You see, we know this principle is true in regard to plant, and it's also true in a spiritual sense. Once the word of God is planted in favorable soil, a prepared heart, it has unlimited potential. We know Jesus declared we can do nothing apart from him. He is the vine. We are the branches. The vine produces the fruit while the branch merely holds the fruit. However, the gospel seed planted in the right heart has potential to produce an abundance of fruit for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen? Never underestimate what the Lord is able to do with one seed being sown in the right place, guiding and touching just one life can impact a multitude. And you and I need to grab a hold of that today. You don't know what's going to happen with the next seed that you plant. Wow. A Sunday school teacher... by the name of Mr. Kimball in 19, no, 1858 led a Boston school clerk to give his life to Christ. The clerk, Dwight L. Moody, became an evangelist. In England, in 1879, he awakened evangelistic zeal in the heart of Frederick B. Meyer, pastor of a small church Frederick B. Meyer preached to an American college campus, 
brought to Christ a student by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman engaged in YMCA work, employed a former baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday to do evangelistic work. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. A group of local men were so enthusiastic after that that they planned another evangelistic campaign, bringing in a guy by the name of Mordecai Ham to preach. During Ham's revival, a young man by the name of Billy Graham heard the gospel and yielded his life to Jesus Christ. Do you see the exponential effect? One seed sown in the right place can produce. As we wrap this up this morning, listen, I want you to pay close attention to this. Jesus is challenging us he is challenging those who had ears to hear what he had to proclaim. He challenged them to make a difference one seed at a time. And that challenge remains the same today for you and I. Now, this morning, it begins by us examining what kind of soil we are. What kind of soil are you? What kind of heart do you have? Is it hard and impermeable? Does it lack a depth of faith? Is it burdened and consumed with worries and the desires of this life? May I remind every single one of us, folks, no matter what we may think, there is absolutely nothing we have on this earth that we are going to take with us at the end of this life. Nothing. The closest thing we can come to taking with us after this life is our loved ones around us. That's probably where we need to put our focus and our emphasis. What kind of soil are you? Does it lack a depth? Are you a soil that lacks a depth of faith? Are you a soil that is consumed by the worries and the desires of this life? Or is your life, are you a soil that is prepared by the Holy Spirit and ready to receive the things of God? This morning, my challenge to you and my question to you, my challenge is that every single one of us need to be fourth soilers. Are you a person of the fourth soil? If you're not, today you can change all that. Today you can make a difference. You can make a commitment. You see, we've been challenged to share our faith with others, planting the good seed of the gospel, 
But we can't do that if we haven't first received the gospel. We have no way of knowing what the harvest will be, but let me just tell you something this morning. We can rest assured that God will give the increase if we do our job, if we do what we're supposed to do. This morning, as we all stand, I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. There's communion that is up in the corners and in the back. If you are unable to go and take communion and you would like to have somebody bring communion to you, there are uh, ushers in the back that will do that. Folks, God is calling us to a fourth soil life. And he's calling us to plant seeds that make an eternal impact. We may be in a small town in Bethalto, Illinois, and 95% of the world might not even know we exist. But where we're at, we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through obedience and commitment, can make a kingdom difference. And I don't know about you, but I want to make a kingdom impact. Not for my sake, but for the sake of my Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray right now this morning, Lord, that you would just challenge our hearts. Lord, I believe that there is a stirring taking place today. Lord, I pray that we would hear exactly what it is that you want to speak to us today. And Lord, that we would respond to that. Lord, if it is making a decision to follow you, Lord, I pray if there are those who don't know you as their Lord and Savior today, that Lord, today would be the day that they make that commitment. That they step off of their path and they step onto your path, Lord. Lord, if there are those in this room today who have been following you for some years, but it's just been a shallow following, Lord, I pray that today there would be a deeper commitment made. And Lord, today, if there are those of you here today that are ready to take that deeper stand, they're ready to be the disciples that you have called them to be, Lord, I pray that they make that commitment. Lord, I pray for those in this room today who are struggling right now. Lord, maybe there are some things that are in their life that are trying to come in between them and you. Maybe it's the worries of finances or the worries uh, of a lost child. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a, a struggling marriage, Lord. Uh, maybe uh, maybe it's, it's, it's a physical need, Lord. Lord, my prayer today is that if there are those in this room that are struggling, Lord, lay it at your feet is what I ask them to do. You have the answers. You have the solution. Lord, I thank you so much for what you have given us. I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, amen. amen.